Stat Media Group, delivering logistics news since 1986. This is Cargo Masterminds from Stat Media Group. It's Monday and it's time to catch up with our new Cargo Mastermind. Hello and welcome to Cargo Masterminds. My name is Reggie John. The COVID pandemic is a health and humanitarian crisis and it is also an economic shock. Even 15 months after it was declared a pandemic by the World Health Organization and five months after more than one effective COVID vaccines being rolled out, the world is yet to recover and full recovery is not expected anytime soon. Aviation, the worst affected industry, continues to bleed as it expects people to start flying. With the passenger aviation net to return belly hold cargo capacities, only a portion of what it used to be in the pre-pandemic. Capacity constraints have risen to more freighter movements, increased cargo charters, and also a new category called freighters, or cargo-only passenger flights with options to load cargo in the passenger cabins, either on the seats or in the cabins of aircraft that have their seats removed, allowing more cargo capacity. The pandemic and how the air cargo industry responds with innovation and ingenuity have opened a variety of new challenges and opportunities for air cargo handlers around the world. They represent the front line of the air cargo industry. If critical supplies are reaching to you, then thanks to the cargo handlers at airports and at warehouses who are working round the clock to ensure smooth and efficient movement of cargo in and out of aircraft and airports. My guest today represents a global aviation logistic company that has cargo handling as its important business vertical. I'm so happy to welcome Robert Fordry, who is the executive vice president of cargo at Mensis Aviation. Robert joined the air cargo industry at a very young age with the Lufthansa Cargo as quality manager in 1990. In his three decade old career, he has not changed too many jobs and has only been with three companies 19 years in airlines, Lufthansa Cargo and Etihad, and about 10 years in cargo handling at Menzies Aviation. In this conversation, I intend to find out what has changed in air cargo handling since the pandemic and how challenging is his role. Robert joins me from Edinburgh in Scotland at the head from the headquarters of Menzies Aviation. Robert, welcome to Cargo Masterminds. Thanks very much, Reggie. That was uh, that was a great intro. Thank you. Uh, and when you talk about me being involved in air cargo for 30 years, it makes me feel very, very old. Uh, but you're right. I did join at an early age, so I like to think I'm not that not that old. Yeah, but then you still look very young. You're a very nice man. Thank you. I'll take that one. Okay, Robert. Uh, give us an overview of the of the position of the cargo business in the overall portfolio of uh, Menzies Aviation for the year 2020. I happen to also look at your financial numbers for 2020 released and out in the public domain. Tell us about the volume of cargo handled and the revenue generated for 2020. Cargo volume handled uh, was down about uh, 18 percent. And how does uh, 2021 look like so far? So, um, yeah, so 2020 was probably, um, like most organizations, one of our most challenging years. Um, in fact, in Menzies' very long history, it was definitely our most, most difficult year. Um, but at the same time, um, from a cargo perspective, um, we, we, we obviously benefited. Um, we had uh, a, a lot more cargo to handle and a lot less um, aircraft to handle. So Menzies', uh, Menzies portfolio is, 
ground handling um, and cargo handling, fueling, um, lounge activity, and a number of other aviation-related businesses. And, and cargo was a part of that, but a relatively small part. The principal um, focus for Menzies was, was ground handling. Um, but we've certainly grown the, the cargo portfolio um, over the last couple of years. And certainly in 2020, uh, we, we, we took advantage of that growth um, and we were handling certainly a lot more cargo. You've mentioned um, the, the freighters, um, I, I, I call them passenger freighters. Uh, we certainly saw a lot more cargo in that sense um, across all of our global locations. Um, and we're now at a stage where we're handling uh, something in the region of about 1.6 million tonnes of cargo a year across our global network. Um, if we go back two years ago, that number was about 1.2 million. So we've definitely grown. Uh, we've definitely seen um, an increase in volumes in 2021. That's partly due to the fact that we've, we've been successful in some of our commercial activities. So we've welcomed some new customers uh, we've opened a lot of new new uh, facilities uh, and that's helped with the increase. Um, but 2021 is shaping up to be better than 2020. Um, we are all hoping that we can get to a place where we are somewhere close to 2019 schedules and volumes across the whole business. Um, and our expectation is that 2022 will hopefully take us there. Um, but we're right now on a, on a good path and 21 is certainly shaping up to be better last year. Robert, going by all estimates, uh, the air cargo demand is expected to be extremely positive in the short to midterm. And how do you plan to expand your cargo services and the number of key airline partnerships um, in key markets where return seems to be overturned, returns are more uh, sustainable? You had uh, a partnership signed last year with, uh, with Qatar Airways. You had facilities opened in Budapest in 20 early 2020 or late 2019, then you had the, the London Heathrow facility. Uh, what are some of those opportunities that you, you would want to really have the expansion in full swing? Yeah, uh, you've mentioned a couple of the, um, uh, the, the, the sort of business development projects that, that have recently materialized. And I, I would say we, we are now operating at 54 cargo locations around the world. If we go back uh, two years, we were at 36. Um, so our, our business development activity is working. Our growth uh, strategy is working. Um, the, the, the stations you mentioned are, are now very successful, but we've also now opened in Miami uh, with Avianca. Uh, that started a few weeks ago. We've opened uh, operations now in Pakistan um, at, at a number of different different uh, airports with, um, with our partners, RAS. Uh, we were opened in Baghdad, in Iraq. I delegated the responsibility to go and do the audit uh, in, in Iraq to one of my colleagues, but um, we're, we're, we're operating there very, very successfully now as well. Um, in Jakarta um, and, and, and other places in Indonesia we're operating. So the growth plan that we, we put into place is working very well um, and we see that uh, continuing. Um, certainly the, the relationships that we've struck with our airline customers, we're seeing a lot more uh, opportunities where there are uh, multi-station contracts um, in place. And obviously as our network grows, it's much easier to do multi-station contracts. Um, we don't necessarily intend to, to, to look at what, what I would term the sort of saturated, mature cargo markets. Um, there's a lot of handlers with some good capability in those really sort of 
um, uh, key uh, car cargo markets. We're focusing on some of the other airports, um, the other airport opportunities that are that are springing up now that cargo is on people's agenda over the last uh, last year or two. Um, but having said that, if um, if our um, global customers want us to, to to look at some of the more traditional cargo gateways. Uh, we're very happy to do that as well. And in fact, we are looking at, at, at one or two of those, particularly in the US at the moment. Robert, can you tell me which are those markets where uh, it's the market is not saturated and where you find the, the potential to grow is much more? Um, so our focus um, uh, has been on, on talking to our customers um, and finding out where they want us to be. And Certainly, some of the markets that we are looking at in, in a lot of detail are, are North and um, uh, South America. So um, Miami was the start of um, us opening some new locations in, uh, in the US. We already have quite a lot of coverage in Canada, um, but in the US, we're certainly looking at, at um, two, two or three business development projects at the moment. Um, and in South America, we, we, we have an operation in Bogota uh, we have a very small operation in San Juan, um, but we're quite limited at the moment. Um, and, and certainly um, in, in that particular region, we're, we're looking at, at growth potential. Um, and a lot of our, our plan is, is not necessarily to, to arrive at a, an airport and say, we are Menzies and put a flag down and say, um, uh, come and be handled by us. Our, our philosophy is much more to work with, with local partners who have a good understanding of the local market uh, but would benefit from a global handler um, supporting them in engagement with with uh, global customers. Um, so, North and South America, Reggie is is our is our immediate focus right now. Robert, um, give us a little more detail about your key priorities in relation to growth, uh, network expansion, and investment investment in people, investment in technology, and infrastructure. It, it, it's a good question. I, I um, uh, in, in my airline days, being responsible for a global network, I often used to say to, to handlers, um, how are you going to give me a standardized approach to handling across the world? Um, I want the same handling no matter what location it is. And that's something that we, we um, uh, defined as part of our cargo strategy that, that we, uh, or, or our new cargo strategy that we put together in 2018. So we, we have a very much a standardized approach. We want to give the same service like a, like a Starbucks or a McDonald's all around the world uh, for, for Menti's cargo handling. Um, and in doing that, it means that we must have the same um, training principles in every location, the same processes, procedures, uh, operating system, uh, the same management philosophy. Often um, we find in, in cargo locations the cargo location is as good as the, the, the management team that is in position. Um, and some of them have different ideas as to, as, as to how the business should be run. Um, and we don't want to, um, to take away any of that entrepreneurial spirit, uh, which is really important for, for, for really successful cargo handling. Um, but what we do want to do is to give um, support and guidance um, because we're engaging at a headquarters level with our, with our global customers. So we've got a very good understanding of what they need. Um, and that's what we put into our, our, our network operations. Um, and in terms of growth, uh, we, we, we talk about um, menzifying a, a, a station, let's say, when, when we look at um, acquisitions or joint ventures. And that's not to say that we are arrogant and, and, and say that we can do it better than others. 
but we know that the model that we have is is working and working very well and certainly the partners that we're engaging with are very open and welcoming to to, to our policies and procedures um, so that that's something that we do we look to try to menzify uh, an operation so that we don't then have diverse um, handling across the network we've got very standardized handling that's our that's our approach how successful have you been in the menzifying or Starbucksization of uh, of your processes standardization 80% 90% or 100% um I, i i think it would be wrong for anybody to say that they're at 100% um but um uh, you know to pick a number we're probably at 80 or 90% um for example in in Miami uh where we where we um started working with Avianca a few weeks ago all of the 300 plus employees that we have in the warehouse operation there are in men's uniform um and uh, they're, they're fully aware of the safety protocols that we have uh, they're fully aware of the security requirements that we've got so um you know i i could safely say that uh, miami is now um on, on the menzies map it's one of menzies locations it's it's avianca's building um it's avianca's operation but it's menzies personnel and it's very clear uh, to to anybody now that uh, that that's that's menzies in position um so yeah, I, i would say we are successful in that in that sense um there's always things that we can improve upon um but that's that's something that's very important to us so uh, it's something that i think we do very well but how challenging would it become uh, especially when you are actually partnering with, with the local uh, companies as part of your uh, network expansion uh, because you are not going to open your own network there you actually strike partnership so when you work in partnership how how challenging is that going to be? um it, it's it's challenging if you don't have the right partner and i think pakistan would be a, a, a perfect example of that um with our with our colleagues at ras they were very welcoming to 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 menzies um very welcoming to our suggestions recommendations ideas on on how we can help the business develop um but we were also very respectful of um a, a successful business that was put into place uh by some very capable people um a business that had, that had grown um and some people that clearly know the market very very well in Pakistan um and and understand the 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 requirements the regulatory expectations and they understand the market and and that's where we look for partners that we can work with um we're very respectful to 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 those people um and in most cases and certainly when we enter into a partnership uh they're very open um and and supportive to 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 Mendy's approach as well which is why we we would enter into the partnership in the first place so we're careful about where we go we're careful about the partners that we choose um and the marriages uh, are are often very long and very successful coming back to uh, your partnership uh, with Qatar Airways cargo last year for uh, London Heathrow uh, as part of the agreement there was also a plan to invest in a Uh, special product handling capabilities with a key focus on pharmaceutical and temperature controlled commodities uh, what is the status of this plan um so the answer ready is uh, it is yes we are um, we're up and running with our uh, pharmaceutical handling capabilities in in london um anyone that has that has uh, seen our, our heathrow facility and is familiar with the cargo area at heathrow 
uh, we'll, we'll certainly have seen the branding that is in place for Qatar Airways and the, the, the capabilities for uh, their pharmaceutical product. Um, we, we, we've put a lot of infrastructure in place, uh, a lot of uh, new, new temperature control rooms are, are in position, um, and we're certainly seeing an upturn in the pharmaceutical handling uh, products that, that, that are operating through the terminal. Um, and we've also um, commenced our CEIV certification process. Uh, we had the first audit this week, um, and we expect to have uh, that certification within the next couple of months. Um, so we're certainly, we're certainly ready, uh, and, and we certainly delivered on what we said we would do. By when do you expect to open it? And is it only for the Qatar Airways cargo, or will it be open for other, other airlines as well? So it's it's open now. We certainly have that, the the capability to handle the pharmaceutical. The only thing that is missing is the is the confirmed CIV certification, um, and it is for all of our customers at Heathrow as well. So um, yes, we we've, we've got a, an excellent relationship with Qatar Airways, um, and uh, we, we've we've managed to invest to support their products as well. Uh, but that investment also supports all of our customers at Heathrow. Can you tell me what is the amount of cargo that will be handled on an annual capacity that it, that it has and uh, what are the temperature range uh, rooms available there? Um, so the temperature ranges um, cover everything from, from just under freezing up to 25 degrees. Uh, we have a number of rooms that are, that are dual climate so that we can move the temperature up and down as, as required. Um, and then we have some rooms that are dedicated for um, the two to eight um, range. Uh, and then the 15 to 25 range as well. Um, so there are a number of options available. Um, it's quite an extensive amount of uh, rooms that we've got um, spread across the facility. The, the, the tonnage information, it's, it's, uh, it's limited at the moment in terms of our, our tonnage that we're handling through, through uh, London. I think um, it's something that, that um, all of our airline customers need to build up their, uh, their, their service offerings for. Uh, but we had certainly have the infrastructure ready for, um, for, for for when they are able to secure the business from uh, for, from those shippers. Okay, in February this year, uh, you strengthened your cargo team with five new appointments of experienced uh, professionals. Uh, tell us about the importance of that decision and the creation of a new role, uh, Vice President Cargo Technology, and getting Rory Fiddler into that position, uh, Rory from uh, Etihad Cargo. Yeah. So um, it, it was very important for us to be able to build uh, a, a team of cargo um, professionals. We defined again our cargo strategy in 2018. Um, uh, I, I was um, in position in, in Edinburgh in our headquarters working with our, our cargo management team across the network. Um, and when we talk about having a standardized approach, um, it, it's something that's very difficult to do when you are focused in, in one particular location uh, and then dealing with a number of cargo managers who have an operation to run and customers to keep happy. Um, so we, we, we started um, increasing our, our cargo capability um, with, some, with some key individuals. Uh, what we now have is uh, a, a, a structure that has a vice president of uh, cargo in each of our regions. Um, so in the Americas, in Australia, uh, in Europe, and in Africa, Middle East, uh, and, and India. And those individuals um, work very closely with me in defining the strategy, um, keeping our customers happy, looking at the business development activity. Um, so we, we have that cargo executive team in place now, which is driving our growth. 
And we certainly felt that um, from a technology perspective, we needed to invest further in technology for cargo. Um, I think um, most people that are familiar with cargo handling will realize that you can walk into a warehouse uh, in, in any part of the world um, and it will look and feel like a warehouse that was handling cargo in maybe 1980 and in some cases maybe 1970 and sometimes earlier than that. Um, but what we are doing is putting into place a strategy around our technology solutions as well. So you, you mentioned Rory. Um, Rory and I worked very closely together uh, in, in Abu Dhabi with Etihad. Uh, I was delighted to be able to, to bring Rory into our, our management team. And, and his focus is on um, technology development. It's not necessarily on ensuring that we've got the right messaging in place today for, for existing customers. It's about what, what can we do in the future. Um, and, and one of the thoughts that we had, so one of the considerations that we had is that we need to attract a new generation of people to come and join Cargo. Um, and that new generation um, is very familiar with technology in their personal life. Um, everything is done on, on iPads or phones or tablets, um, everything with an app, um, everything is, is technology driven. Uh, and if they come and um, look to work in an operation that we have that doesn't embrace that technology, they're not going to know how to work or, or, or what to do. So we are um, looking at how we can find the right people that can come and join our organization, but we need to give them the right tools to do the job. Uh, so there's a number of projects that Rory's working on. Um, we're looking at um, uh, automation in our operations. We're look at, looking at... Um, driverless vehicles, uh, we're looking at the paperless environment, we're looking at deliveries and collections being made from our facilities without human intervention. Uh, so there's a number of projects that Rory's looking at. Uh, we, we've, we've effectively told him to, um, uh, to, to, to think about anything that, that, that could work, uh, that, that technology would support in our warehouses. Don't, uh, don't be shy in coming forward with any recommendations. So do we expect to see a, a cargo warehouse in the next uh, few years, uh, which will completely different from what it used to be in 1980s and 90s, where you have uh, complete automation and robotics working around? Um, I, I, I would like to say yes, and I wish I could say yes, Reggie. I, I think we need to be realistic um, and we need to, to understand um, a little bit more about the cargo handling activity. Um, if we have a customer that is operating with um, an e-commerce product or just a pharmaceutical product, um, then the likelihood of, of having um, significant automation in that, in that warehouse operation is, is great. Um, and the likelihood is that that will happen. The reality that, that we face as a handler, I've often referred to um, <clears throat> our handling facilities being like a jigsaw puzzle and all of our customers are the jigsaw pieces and we have to put them together. And when we consider that, the cargo that we handle for those multiple customers is different. Uh, we could have um, uh, an operator with freighters um, that, that carry aircraft engines and livestock and, and lots, of, lots of different products. Uh, and we could also handle a customer that has a narrow body flight operation that is only a bulk load or small containers. And we need to be able to offer a handling solution for all of those different product types. So if we move towards something that is very automated um, for certain products, um, it means that we can't handle properly 
the, the rest of the cargo that our customers would expect us to handle. So I, I expect us to have a hybrid of um, automation, of technology that, that supports and improves our productivity. Uh, but I certainly don't believe that we will be moving away anytime soon from trained, experienced, capable, knowledgeable uh, cargo professionals that are able to, um, to, to do what is required for our customers in our facilities. Robert, one of the biggest challenges uh, of the pandemic for the cargo handling companies at airports uh, is a sudden surge of uh, freighters, freighters and other aircraft leading to congestion at airports, uh, delays uh, in cargo evacuation and long queues at the at the export uh, import gates, uh, something that you yourself found yourself in London last year. Uh, how well prepared are you? Uh, are things uh, things improved significantly now? So for, for, for London, Reggie, things have improved significantly. Yes, we are um, a much more stable operation. Um, and I'd, I'd urge you to speak to our airline customers and ask them if we're giving good service. I, I, I very much hope and expect that they will say yes. Um, but certainly the, 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 the rise in, in passenger freighters, um, the increase in cargo volumes as a result of passenger aircraft flying for, for cargo reasons only, uh, and therefore no passengers, no baggage and an increasing cargo payload. Um, it's been a double-edged sword for us. Um, we are obviously delighted with the increase in cargo volumes and that will be very welcome. Um, but what we've, we've been having to do is to find creative ways to, to handle that additional cargo volume without an understanding of if it will continue, uh, when it will stop, um, if it will change, um, so our, our teams have been enormously flexible in, in their approach and, and um, uh, in offering their support to be able to handle those volumes. And we are, we're still seeing an upturn in cargo. Um, there is an expectation as we go into the summer of this year that, that passenger flights will start operating in a little bit more uh, frequency again. And that uh, therefore the cargo payload on some of those flights will start to reduce a little. Um, it's my personal belief that, that a number of airlines have woken up to the benefits of cargo um, and where they may not have been focused on cargo previously, they certainly will be uh, in, in the future. So we expect that upturn to continue. Um, but it has been the most challenging part of this year. It's managing those schedules um, that, that change frequently. Uh, uh, we, we often get calls from, from airlines to say, great news, I have a a freighter charter um, uh, operating tomorrow that's that's bringing a full inbound load. Um, and that's great news and we want that to continue. Um, the, the people that plan our labor um, and, and do our rosters um, have a bit of a heart attack on how they're going to manage that. Uh, but that's something that we're happy to, to, to continue to focus on. And then of course, there is a surge in terms of cargo volumes that gives us peaks in our operation. As you mentioned, that gives us, everybody wants their cargo to, to, to collect it at the same time when it arrives. So it obviously gives us challenges in some markets with the uh, collection and, and delivery process. So um, we have um, redesigned our, our, our processes for deliveries and collections in Heathrow. Uh, in Los Angeles, we've done the very same. We've been confronted with a lot of um, cargo operating into Los Angeles for other uh, US ports as well. So Los Angeles is being used as a bit of a gateway into the US by a number of customers. And we've uh, just started uh, a project with uh, Nalian and Hermes, who are our, our um, uh, operating system provider, 
to put into place a more automated um, uh, booking slot system in Los Angeles. It's something that's being trialed at the moment. Um, and, and yes, we have to work with the market um, to, to, to develop those and, and embrace those changes. Uh, but that's the kind of things that we're looking at as well. It's, it's, it's where can we support the market better and how can we introduce technology in different ways of working to, to support everybody? Uh, Robert, as part of modernizing the air cargo industry and the process, uh, a lot of the industry association, including IATA, setting up standards, global standards. Uh, you have the IATA SEEP certifications, certifications for pharmaceutical perishables, live animals. And there are also other uh, uh, processes which are uh, standardization of operation processes, basically to reduce the complexity and duplication of audits uh, for cargo handling facilities. Uh, uh, what is Mensis position on this and how uh, well involved are you in some of those industry initiatives? So, um, so Reggie, I think you mentioned at the start, I, I started my career as a Lufthansa cargo employee. I'm very grateful to Lufthansa for the training and the experience that they gave me. Um, Lufthansa is an organization that um, is very focused on processes uh, and procedures and the standardization approach as well. Um, and, and as I mentioned, that's something that we fully embrace within Menzies. From a personal perspective, I also fully embrace that as well. Um, the, the, the most important thing is that we have clearly defined procedures and processes in all of our terminals and people know what is expected of them. And I think IATA have um, supported that very well. I would say that because I'm part of IATA's uh, Cargo Handling Consultative Council. Um, so we, we do meet regularly. Um, we help to define the processes and the procedures. Uh, we, we help to define what um, pharmaceutical handling may look like and, and, and other projects. And Menzies was uh, the first uh, cargo handler to embrace the IATA cargo handling manual uh, across our network as our handling manual of choice as well. So that's something that we put into place. It certainly helps with the standardized approach that we've got. So um, I'm very supportive of the activity that IATA is doing. Um, I wish I could say that audits have reduced as a result of that standardization process. Uh, I, I'm afraid to say that hasn't happened as yet, uh, but we have certainly seen the benefits of um, a, a body like IATA uh, that is defining um, standards um, because it's much easier for us to then implement them uh, because the carriers buy into them as well. Robert, what are some of the key trends you notice in the cargo handling business? Uh, uh, and I would like you to reflect on the uh, the trends that you find between the two stints that you had at Menzies Aviation. Uh, the two stints that I had at Menzies Aviation, okay, so they were 10 years apart. So I was uh, a, a younger man, um, less experienced, less knowledgeable, I guess, in, 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 in world cargo, um, having spent some time uh, with Etihad, which was an amazing experience in, in Abu Dhabi. Um, I certainly feel as though I'm a little bit more well-rounded and an understanding of, uh, of global cargo expectations. Um, what are the differences between the two stints? I think I would say um, the first time round for me was, was that, that, let's say 20 years ago it started. Um, I think there were a lot more um, cargo figureheads around the world. There were a lot more people that were um, big characters um, and people listen to those big characters a lot. Um, I think there are not so many of those characters around any longer, um, but I think airlines have become much more uh, focused on cargo, much, much clearer in their expectations, much clearer in their procurement activity. 
Um, and actually from, from a mentee's perspective, that's helped us because we, we are um, uh, focused as well on those global cargo relationships. Um, and it's, it, it is about people. Um, undoubtedly, it's about people. Some of the relationships that I have with airline customers have been built up over a long period of time. Uh, not necessarily over Zoom calls or, uh, or, or or anything else, but uh, but but face-to-face meetings, uh, dinners and lunches, and and getting to know people. So that enormously helps. Um, but at the same time, um, you need to be able to deliver on your service. Um, so I think I think the key difference between the two stints is um, we're perhaps a, a little bit more formal in our approach, a little bit more professional in our approach. Um, I don't want to say we've lost the entrepreneurial spirit and we've lost the characters, um, but I think um, the, the business going back a long time was 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 run by by a few key people, um, and that's quite different now. Key trends: um, we we often talk about um, e-commerce. Uh, we often talk about pharmaceutical handling. We spoke about uh, transporting COVID uh, vaccines uh, a few months ago. Um, so there's, there's, there's different trends that are, that are happening across cargo handling. But for me, the biggest trend is the aviation community. And I think um, the global population, if, if you like, waking up to the fact that air cargo is carried on passenger aircraft around the world every day. Uh, and uh, that's the, 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 the biggest way that we transport cargo around the world. And I think people realize that now because um, we, we, we had impact on, on uh, trade around the world with those passenger aircraft not operating and therefore the cargo uplift being, being limited. Uh, so I think there's much more of an understanding about what we do around the world. My, my, my son understands it a little bit better than he did before, but it's much easier when I can say to him that I'm supporting the fight against COVID-19 by transporting PPE and COVID vaccines around the world. That, that's an easy sell for him to understand. So I think for me, that, that's, that's probably the biggest trend that's coming out of the last 12 months. It's much a much better understanding of what we do, how we do it, and why we're essential to, um, uh, to, to global trade. Okay, Robert, my last question, and uh, I will take you back to what you said about uh, how do we create opportunities or how do we attract young talent to an industry that is beginning to use the modern tools of technology and innovation. Uh, um, you joined probably in your early twenties uh, uh, in your uh, in your job in uh, in air cargo industry. How do we manage to get more robots joining uh, air cargo industry at that young age? I would say that's the million dollar question. It's probably a, the value of that is a, is 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 a lot higher. Uh, and you're 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 very kind, Reggie. But I, I actually joined when I was younger than twenty. Um, I was in my teens when I joined. Um, so um, I, I had a very good um, uh, introduction to our air cargo again, as I mentioned through the through the um, uh, training programs of Lufthansa Cargo. Um, I joined as a trainee, um, and that was enormously beneficial. I think as a as a as a as a, um, a business um, and as, a, as an organization, we have not trained people in the way that we really should have been training people. Um, a lot of supervisors um, move into supervisory roles because they are um, good at, at uh, manifesting flights or, or moving cargo in a warehouse. A lot of duty managers, a lot of operations managers were good as supervisors and that's why we moved them into the roles. So I think from a leadership perspective, we need to be much better at, um, um, at supporting and coaching and training um, our leaders of the future. Um, and 
you're absolutely right. The reason that we brought in somebody that's responsible for technology is to attract those uh, graduates um, to, to come into global logistics. Um, it's not cargo handling. What we do is global logistics. Um, and for them to come in and, and, and see some of the operations and see some of the practices that we're still working with, um, I would imagine that they would look to a different industry and, and, and to, get, to get something out of that. So technology plays a huge part in being able to attract the right talent. Um, and we would like to get to a position where we have got a hybrid of, of talent that is coming into the business at a, at a managerial level um, that are either graduates or, or, or people that have got global, uh, global trade or global logistics capabilities, um, but also attracting those trainees that, that are interested and motivated by um, aviation uh, and want to come and join us and may not have had the ability to have a, a, a further education um, that will help them in, in leadership roles. Uh, and that's something that I'm quite passionate about that we can support our people uh, that want a career in aviation, that want a career in cargo handling, uh, and we need to be able to support them much better. And we need to be able to, to, um, to equip them with the tools to be leaders of the future. Uh, so we have um, some programs in place with Menzies where, where we're doing that. We're doing that in two or three key locations. Um, we have some fantastic young employees uh, and we are um, certainly nurturing them and coaching them for the future. Robert, since you said that you joined even before uh, you were 20, I'm, uh, I'm actually tempted to ask one more question and it has to be from a personal note. Uh, how much of your uh, influences come from your dad uh, who was with the Lufthansa cargo? Um, so my dad will be delighted that you asked that question um, when, 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 when he watches this. So I have to say it was quite a significant influence, Reggie, from a, from a personal perspective. Um, when, I, when I left school, I wasn't really clear about what I wanted to do. Uh, and my father had worked in aviation for, for a long time, in, in cargo for a long time. So I followed in his footsteps. It was somewhat challenging to start with. My name is quite distinctive. Uh, so I was always John's son. Um, and uh, that, that changed for him when he started meeting people who said, do you know Robert? Um, I don't think anybody said, is he your brother? But, um, but, but it wasn't far short of that. So um, yes, I was very he heavily influenced by my father, um, but um, uh, I, I, I would hope that we can attract people into the business, not just following their father's footsteps in future. And you're influencing your son right now. I, I am, but, uh, but he wants to be a journalist. So, uh, so that's okay. I'm happy with that. So he, he could be a journalist in the in the in the transportation and logistics space. I will send him your way, Reggie. Robert, uh, thank you so much for talking to us and sharing your reflections on the air freight industry with specific focus on cargo handling. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to you and uh, and appreciate you joining us. Thanks very much, Reggie. Great to talk to you. That was Robert Fordry, Executive Vice President of Cargo at Mensis Aviation. That's it from us at Stat Media Group. We bring cargo masterminds every Monday. Thanks for tuning in and come back on next Monday for a fresh episode. Have a nice day.